The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and today I have a special podcast guest, and I have a first-timer on the CGA Tour podcast here in Brendan Sexton, a fellow Oklahoma State alum. Brendan, how's it going, man? Great. Go Pokes. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to make the debut on the CGA podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Well, hey, um, you know, as of course a fellow Oklahoma State alum, there's been Mike Gundy in recent news, which not really sure I want to even go into at this point. <laughs> but um, and I don't think any, I don't think a lot of people are tuning into the podcast to hear me and my opinion personally on that subject matter. And they're getting their opinions already known at this point. It's kind of old news anyways. But I do want to talk about Oklahoma State football, a little bit of season predictions. Tylen Wallace, of course, coming back. Chuba Hubbard coming back. Spencer Sanders, fully healthy, coming back for his sophomore season. Uh, talk about Oklahoma State basketball, all of the recruits for this next class re-upping, as well as, of course, how the lineup's going to change with your NA transferring out as well. And then go into, I know you're a big baseball fan, just like I am, but even though everyone knows I'm a little more of an NBA fan than MLB, do want to talk about, you know, at least MLB's back here for a little bit as well. So, um, I don't know, to kick it off here, what is your excitement level as far as Kate Cunningham and all the recruits coming back? How do you feel about this basketball team? It's not as simple as it was, you know, a couple months ago where I was just yeah. like, Final Four, <laughs> maybe National Championship. Right. It's definitely weird, but... Um, I'm ex- I'm excited. I remember. I don't know if you know this, but my wife has been working night shifts. Like this mm. is her first year full time nursing, and uh, so we have a really weird sleep schedule. Like I go to bed with the morning news at like eight or nine a.m. We're falling asleep. Wow. I wake up at five or six. I had to make sure I set an alarm to be able to get up and talk to you about this. Yeah, she just wow. left for work, so it was. Uh, <laughs> I remember he put out his video mm-hmm. to announce you know he was staying. And she just fallen asleep, and I, I woke her up. I was so excited. I was like a child that just found out, like, I don't know. I, I remember, I don't know, watching a World Series or something as a kid. Like, that level of excitement. I was like, there's no way. Like, there's no way he's staying at OSU. <laughs> sure enough, he is. And we're going to be the greatest team to ever play in the NIT. Yeah. I, or in some type of postseason thing, right? I, some type. Yeah, I, right. I, 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 I don't even... Um... I don't even know what the NCAA is going to do. It seems like they misstepped everything on this whole case. And just to say a little bit, I saw that the Attorney General for the state of Oklahoma has put out a letter to the NCAA today. And in it, he finds some very interesting stuff, I guess. Um, but Attorney General Mike Hunter, you know, he explains why the punishment levied on OSU men's basketball program is excessive. And in his own words, completely unfair and only hurts the student-athletes who have worked their entire lives to play basketball at this level. So it's a – if you want to go read the read the letter, Mike Boyden just retweeted it, the whole thing as well here. Oh, and, um, you know, it's out there for anyone who wants to read it. But just the one the one big takeaway, takeaway I have here is, is that Mike Hunter goes to say he thinks that the NCAA was lazy in this investigation and report because at one point they copy and paste language – to say the head track coach when talking about an Oklahoma State basketball coach. So wow, I have Just not thrown read, together. Yeah, yeah, I have not read the whole report. I'm not going to act like I have. I wish I had. <laughs> um, I have not read the whole entire letter where I have you know that um, the Attorney General wrote either. But I have read enough of it. It's not that long, from what I understand. 
but I have read enough of it to see that he points out that there's just a clear, I wouldn't even say it's a typo. A typo to me is like you put in an X or a Z when you meant to hit a C or an A, you know, like you you just missed a letter. They put in head track coach track basketball they're not the same amount of letters i can go into that for uh, days it so, so that was that was <laughs> it's copy and pasted yeah it's, right right yeah there and that's what um yeah that's what the attorney general said as well too which again i'm going to say attorney general seven thousand times on this podcast because it sounds very official and it is but right, I was thinking, but wow. it's it's cool to get that backing as well um as an oklahoma state fan you've got you know someone who's in the legislature legislature office for oklahoma and is also backing Oklahoma State. Now, of course, he's an Oklahoma State grad, et cetera, et cetera. But um, be that as it may, I did not think Kate Cunningham was going to come back to Oklahoma State. And I asked, as, as you know, there's you know several different group messages, whatever, of all the sports fans in that are Oklahoma State fans, whatever. And I asked a, a bunch of friends, including you as well, in one group message and said, Hey, any what are the chances you're hearing, right? Like, I don't want to get my hopes up really high if I'm following a certain OSU blog here and there, and they're like, oh, Kate's coming back for sure. And I'm going, man, I guess Kate's coming back. And I have all my hopes and dreams dashed when no, none of my friends and people that I trust a little bit more than some blog writers say, hey, there's no chance. And for lack of a better term here, Everyone else I know was like, dude, not a chance, not a single chance. I mean, I work with people in the state of Michigan. They go, man, that sucks. You guys lost Cade. Basically, when they ended up yeah, ruling Cade, no, yeah. it's, it was <laughs> that's, that's how people in different sports circles were with me. You know, they'd be like, yeah, sorry to you. like my boss of the world. He was like, hey, that sucks. Like you guys are gonna be so excited to watch this year. I was like, he's not gone <laughs> yet. He's not gone yet. Yeah, it, yeah, but I think everybody thought like. He's going to college. He wants to play at the highest level. He wants to be in the tournament. He's got to go somewhere else. But Boynton's doing good things there. I want to touch on that for sure. Like yeah. I am a huge Mike Boynton fan, and I think he's going to take OSU to a level that obviously it's been at before, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to exceed that. And he's about to do some really great things for Oklahoma State. Already has. Yeah. We'll continue. He's He's been amazing for the program, for the university, and – just been amazing. I mean, he's not from Oklahoma. He's never never said that. He's definitely from Brooklyn, New York, as we all know. Yeah. So Oklahoma State fans. But he is an incredibly good representative of the state of Oklahoma for an Oklahoma State University basketball head coach. You know, he is someone who I'm like proud to go, yep, that's that's our coach. You know I would trust anything that man says. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And everything he puts out on social media and a press conference, everything like that. It's not even that it's so well done. It's just just sincere. And previously, with the Travis Ford and the, um, what, I think Sean Sutton, right, and Eddie before then as well, mm-hmm. I was I was born in 93. I think you're, uh, you know, a year or two after me or so. So my point 97. here is, yeah, okay, so <laughs> yeah. before. But my point here is, is that um, the Oklahoma State basketball heyday for me, I really do remember 04, and I remember Oklahoma State winning the Big 12 championship. But before then in basketball, it's hard for me to come up with like a really strong memory. I mean, I do remember watching the teams, all type of stuff. And when I go back and look at them, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was, there's that guy, there's that guy, whatever. But like the guys that I remember Oklahoma State is Joey and Stephen Graham, Ivan McFarland, James on Curry, etc. Right. And that was that was Eddie to me. 
But then also, that got me into watching Oklahoma State basketball. And I saw where Eddie's teams went downhill, and Eddie had issues that were not on the court. And then Sean Sutton came in. Then we had Travis Ford where, oh my gosh, dude, we got Marcus Smart. We got right. um, Juwan Evans. We have, you know, I mean, gosh, I feel like I'm forgetting someone as well. But we had guys on the roster where I was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. You know, I, you know, I'm going to throw Phil 14 in there as well. Like, oh, we've got, you know, we've got Phil is going to shoot from three. We got his, you know, Marcus Smart's best friend, Phil 14 on the roster and Smart, of course, six overall draft pick, the Celtics and mm-hmm. stays Oklahoma State for two years. But that team, from my recollection here, did not win one NCAA tournament game. And that's been my prior knowledge of Oklahoma State basketball has been. Man, the, like the greatest highs of Big 12 play, you know, winning the Big 12 tournament. Right. To not a ton to talk about. And for for what it is, making it to the tournament every year is, you know, making it to the tournament with Travis Ford has been, was awesome. Was amazing. Making it to the tournament for Brad Underwood's one Brad, season yeah. right. was, was cool and great <laughs> yeah. at the time. Now, of course, I look back at that on look back on that with uh, not rose tinted glasses, but maybe they're oh I don't know some darker version. You know, I'm looking back at those. I'm going, man, I don't want to. I don't even want to think about the whole thing anymore because it was such a oh we've got to deal with this Lamont Evans guy who Brad mm-hmm. Underwood hired on too. But now, since we've had Boynton with the team. He has kicked players off the team for outside issues and personal misconduct. He has dealt with scholarship reductions, you know, and the NCAA ruling that's going on right now. Um, we'll see if that gets overturned. Of course, you and I both are. I, I know all, all Oklahoma State fans are in the same boat. Let's overturn it. I would think there's hardly going to be. There's no really NCAA fans, you know, like, oh, no, the NCAA was right. They made a correct, <laughs> yeah, you know, not, like. There's not people, you know, defending them. I think. Almost right. every sports outlet, you know, Big 12 or not, was kind of like, that was harsh. And there's going to be a lot worse coming out if Oklahoma State received that, you know, with some of the things that are rumored mm-hmm. to be going on with some of these bigger programs, Kansas. Yeah. Um, who knows? If that's what Oklahoma State received for, you know, an assistant coach that isn't there and none of the players are still there. Like, that is absurd, you know, to be on probation for three years and to not be able to play in the tournament the one year that you get, like, your best recruiting class and <laughs> probably the program's history. Right. You know, like, cause it was, yeah, Smart was the last five-star. So, like, I don't know. It just, that timing is just harsh. It's very, yeah. very harsh. Yeah, and, uh, and I feel, I almost feel bad for Boynton. Like, if, yeah. if, I'm talking about what-ifs here, but if Boynton goes... Dude, this school's just got bad luck, and every other program in the country can see that I've recruited Kate Cunningham in a top. I, I've seen various rankings now, so I'm going to change it for me a top ten overall team rank, top ten overall team recruiting to top twelve, but a top twelve team in the nation recruiting class with an NCAA ruling, you know, possibility lingering overhead, all that type of stuff. If there there is a scenario in my head where. Kade doesn't come. A lot of the other recruits don't come. Ronda Walker, the four-star, who was one of the mm-hmm. first guys to say, yeah, I'm coming. Um, the transfer. Started the wave. And, yeah, the transfer in favor saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm not coming either. Um, there is an opportunity, I think, where Boynton looks at that and goes, okay, now my recruiting class is not coming. The guys I have on the roster are 
listen, I mean, Isaac Likely and the Boone Brothers, Boone Twins, at the time that I'm speaking about this what-if scenario, you're are all on the roster. But there's also a possibility of point and just goes, maybe I'm just cursed here, man. You know, maybe... maybe right, maybe it's the program. A, yeah, maybe there's just something going on. You know, when, let's say, St. John's calls him up and he gets to go back closer to home. Mm-hmm. You know, almost next door to Brooklyn, right? He would leave. But instead, of course, these guys... Boynton keeps working, one, which is what we all respect him for. And all the guys re-up their commitment. And the only... There have been two transfers out of Oklahoma State. But the transfer that I think you and I care about more is not Hitty Rosneck, who is transferring to the University of Missouri, Kansas City, who I still am, <laughs> I will tr- have trouble pronouncing his name in the future here because I won't have talked about him much, that much going on forward because he's not on the roster. And he's not playing against us in any form or fashion, I don't think. But your nay is, is the guy where I'm like, ah, crap, man. You know, if only he had decided to stay. Uh, right, no, that's that's definitely too. centerpiece to a, a really good roster already. Yeah, it's just, uh, but at the same point, I'm so happy, Boyden. Of course, you want your head coach to try to re up the recruiting, right? But I think there is a scenario where, let's say he tries his best. The it's still it's not his decision whether these guys come back or not. It's their decision, and at the end of the day, Boyd can only do so much, right? And looks like as much as he did turned out to be incredibly good and work out perfectly. But at the same point, I do think that there was, that there was a scenario of Boynton going, dude, I don't know, man, <laughs> you know, uh, it was a very good possibility. Like you, yeah, I don't, you know, we all get behind Boynton, but we also don't want to see him stuck. If it's like, he, that, you know, that's a reasonable thought for him to be like, wow, the Underwood stuff happened. Lamont Evans stuff came down. It's affecting possibly, you know, this could be one of the greatest OSU teams to ever assemble, and they're being held out of the tournament. What's wrong with this? Does NCAA not like this program? Like, do I need to go somewhere else? Because if I was any, if I was an like an AD at any Power Five school, and I saw what Boyton had already done at OSU, how he'd already like integrated himself in the culture, he had the fans completely behind him. He got top recruits to just be like, I want to go to Stillwater, Oklahoma, <laughs> for at least a year. You know, of my life, which that's hard for anybody to do, paying or not. It's like, that blows my mind. You know, like he's already done it that fast. I thought it'd take a few years. I still believed in, you know, his ability to do that. He's very personable. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it happened so fast, it's just like, I would not have been surprised if, you know, Cunningham was like, hey, I'm I'm not coming. I appreciate everything. You know, go Cowboys. And then Boyton you know, got a call from any Power 5 school and was like, we will give you as much money as you want because we've already seen what you can do. Right. That's a, That was definitely a realistic scenario, like you said. Yeah, especially if, I mean, I think about several schools that would go, you know, like Missouri, right? Boynton mm-hmm. is not an Oklahoman. He's not from Oklahoma. In fact, he got brought on to Brad Underwood's staff, of course, as a, another assistant coach. And it's almost like you have the devil and the angel on each shoulder, on each shoulder, if you're uh, yeah. Brad Underwood. And unfortunately, the the devil in this scenario um, was Lamont Evans. The angel was Mike Boynton. And I I did forget how the timelines work out, but under of course Underwood didn't take either of them with him uh, to Illinois. Right. Um, and fortunately, we got so lucky to hire on Boynton instead of Doug Gottlieb's the world or whoever else, right? And I think that's a 
there are some things where I'm always going to go, you know what, I'm not 110% with Mike Holder on this or whoever it is. But, man, the Boynton hire has, could not have worked out better. I don't, I don't know what situation where it does work out better necessarily, to be honest. It really doesn't. Because, like, OSU is a great school. They are Power 5, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, like, you know, well-respected, I would say, in the Big 12. But you're not getting you know, coaches that are trying to come there and do that. So like for Holder to make, or whoever, like you said, made that decision is just phenomenal. You know, like that's just so much has already come out of it. It's, it's awesome. Well, I, Hey, I do want to also ask you though, more about now how you think the season will play out for basketball, right? Do you think, and, and the, what ifs on, will the NCAA overturn this now that there's several, people on Oklahoma State's side, you know, against the NCAA, but not even going into that too much. How do you think this, we'll just talk about the regular season of the Big 12 tournament. How do you think Oklahoma State can do in the regular season this year? Is it sky's the limit with Cade, or should I temper my expectations a little bit, or should I not? I mean, this this seems sky's like, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's, there's no, um, no stopping us, right? There's really no, like, containing them like as biased as an osu fan that sounds mm-hmm. they just have like a great roster it's not like you just have a bunch of random people out there and kate gunningham like they already had a pretty good team they had some good returners i'm excited to see the boone twins alongside yeah and it's going to be some exciting fast-paced basketball i'm very excited for it i think this guy's the limit i see a great season big full championship and I think before the season starts, I could see the NCAA kind of redacting that. I hope they do. I could see them keeping the probation for scholarships as mm-hmm. much as I don't like it. But keeping the arguably like one of the best, I would say the best, you know, college player next year in Cade Cunningham mm-hmm. out of the NCAA tournament. They want their money. You know, they want they want those <laughs> games to be, you know, y- you know how the process goes. Right. So I feel like they're they're gonna be pretty it's not going to be like, ah, no, this happened, and you know we don't want that. It's going to be like, this is in our best interest, too, that we have Cade Cunningham playing in March. So on that, I had somebody give me this theory for why Oklahoma State was handed this penalty and the timing of everything, and it goes into what you just said. Of What if the NCAA goes, dude, we don't want Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State. We want Cade mm-hmm. Cunningham in the ACC, in the yep. Big Ten, maybe the Pac-12, but really the ACC or the Big Ten, and Kentucky cough cough right so why don't we why don't we rule on Oklahoma State in this form and fashion um, for this season and then all of a sudden Kate Cunningham decommits and you know can leave and just uh, play more into this scenario well then Oklahoma State can always appeal this in case Kate does re-up and we can just wait until Cade makes his decision to come out with our decision or whatever. And this was an idea that was like floated to me by by a friend as well, which I thought one was kind of funny, but two is also correct on what you just said here of yeah, they don't want to keep Kate Cunningham possibly the number one overall player um, no. in the draft next year and all that hype, but also just the number one player in college basketball out of the postseason, out of the real moneymaker of March Madness. Yeah, no, it's just stupid as a brand to do that but with with how like corrupt ncaa has been in the past mm-hmm. i like that theory like it almost yeah. like it, it makes sense like you want you want him at duke you want him at kentucky maybe like you said a big 10 school like those are you know those are your money getters those are tournament bound every year but oklahoma state 
they're definitely going to be tournament bound and they might be a legitimate force. So yeah. I think I think before the season they'll be like, okay, you stay in there. We're gonna we're gonna take this away. Act like nothing ever happened. Maybe it'll be like we're extending the probation period for scholarships. Yeah, but I, I you also guys can think, play in the tournament this year. Yeah, and I also think there's an option where they just go. We have decided to change the postseason ban to next season or whatever as well. Mm-hmm. Where they just go. Yeah, let's just change the postseason ban to, to next season because. For anyone who comes out and says, listen, you are punishing the kids and the university and all type of stuff who were not even involved. And on the other side of it going, well, then how do we deter this? How do we punish them, period? You know, like investigations yeah. take time. This this isn't a thing where we can just go, okay, we've seen six months of evidence and just rule on it, right? In all Oklahoma State fans' fashion, and in anybody I know who's in a separate state than I'm from, right, outside of Oklahoma, I'm sure they're going, yeah, I don't know a ton about this, or maybe I do, maybe I don't, but NCAA makes these rulings, you know, on schools, right? Like, it just happens, the rulings, this one maybe, this one seems harsher than other ones, but maybe KU will get the death sentence, or five years probation, or three years probation, or whatever, from uh, postseason play when they have five level one sanctions and Oklahoma State only had one, you know, and to speak on why I think that it's in why I think that the NCAA should not only follow the coach, but also give time to the current players on the roster for sanctions and rulings, that type of stuff. Right. The end of the day, definitely. Oklahoma State hired on Brad Underwood and hired on Lamont Evans. He was getting paid under Oklahoma State payroll. There's no questioning that. That's why Oklahoma State got this. It was under investigation in the first place. On the other hand, the decision by the NCAA did not come um, in the middle of August and said it was for a future season, right? It did not be. It did not come out before NCAA recruiting for this current season. You know, it was. It came at a certain time where. Scholarships are divvied out to each to players on other rosters, and unless you are the Kate Cunningham's of the world, other schools may or may not be as incentivized to recruit you when they've already got their lineup and everything set. You know, yeah, if you're the um, if you're the Montreal Pena's of the world, right? You're a three star athlete. You had you know schools looking into you, schools recruiting you, all type of stuff, whatever, right? You are the typical, more or less, the typical recruit. For Oklahoma State to get, you know, the, the four stars happen sometimes. We get the Marcus Smart, we get the Juwan Evans, etc. But let's say you're you're a three star athlete, right? You're one of the Boone Twins here, or whatever it may be. All of a sudden, you're screwed by the NCAA if you want to play in postseason basketball, and the promises you were given originally, you no longer can be kept by the school, right? Yeah. Hey, man, right. we, it's not in their hands, right? I mean, let's say let's say Cade did decide to leave. And hey, you know, I'm not coming. Then all of a sudden, the Pena kid probably goes, uh, wait a second here. I'm not going to get one season of Kate Cunningham, which granted it was only going to be one season, but, um, like several of the other guys maybe don't come. And all of a sudden, this recruiting class looks a lot different. And on one hand, he could be going, this gives me a great opportunity and I can play more, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is. On the other hand, he'd go, crap, I don't get to play with this incredible playmaker who may raise my status up and help me improve and help me in practice, et cetera, as well, too. And just, I would say, is the, I would say if I were the NCAA, 
yes, you have to make rulings. One, why not follow the head coach who hired on the assistant coach in the first place, right? If the head coaches never really make fault and really mm-hmm. cause issues, and it's always assistant coaches, well, from my understanding, Oklahoma State did not tell Brad Underwood, hey, you have to hire Lamont Evans or we're not going to hire you. I don't think that's how it happened. I think it was Brad Underwood Definitely hired not. Lamont Evans. Brad Underwood is currently a head coach at another university that's actually a Power 5 school, and he left for after one season. So follow Brad Underwood, find him, you know, penalize his recruits or whatever. He, he made a bad decision. Now, should have Oklahoma State known more? We don't know. We, we, the background stuff is hard to tell. And it's all murky and stuff. I would say probably, but it still is tough. On the other hand, just besides following the current, head, the head coach, no matter where they go to, to penalize them some, in some form or fashion, doesn't have to be scholarships, but at least monetarily. On the other hand, give the school that you are um, issuing the sanctions and penalties to at least a gap of a year from recruiting and committing to actually when these guys are going to you know, be be in fault, right, or, or be harmed by this decision, right? There are plenty of guys from this current Oklahoma State recruiting class who are not going to go pro next year unless something crazy happens that I don't see, foresee coming, right? Right. And it gives those players next summer or this current and this current season to try to work on a transfer and all type of stuff too. And so at least the player can go, you know what? Ah man, I didn't see that Oklahoma State would get this. This wasn't what I was promised on. This wasn't wasn't what I thought would happen. This wasn't what the head coach thought would happen, et cetera, et cetera. But now all of a sudden they have time to change that up and work over a season or a summer or whatever it is to have more time to go, okay, well, I'm going to play out this current season as I thought was going to happen. And as I was assuming was going to happen, right. That I would be fine because I mean, did the NCAA need to make this ruling now or could they have waited another year to make it and investigate it more, you know, just kind of the timeline stuff. So those would be my two things, at least, is, is follow the head coach, you know, who hires on the assistants, if it's always the assistants, and change the timing of the of the sanctions and probations, all that type of stuff, too, to a year after. So at least the players on the roster have time to transfer, turn pro, or at least play out the season under what they currently thought it was going to be like before the sanctions came down. And that would be my yeah, thing as well, no, I, too. I love that idea of almost like a gap year. Yeah, sort of say like you can't expect a program to be hit with this. Obviously, it's punishment, but it's not right. like OSU actively, like you said, was trying to be devious and try to do this stuff. It was an assistant coach. The head coach needs to be followed with that. But they need a year to not only for the school to be like, oh, oh, this is bad. We need to like hope the recruits stay. It's for those kids, like you're saying, like they need to be able to be like, wow, I really need to need to get filmed together to try to get in the transfer portal. You know, mm-hmm. for two years from now, or something like that. Exactly. Like, or yeah. I need to, or I need to go pro, like you said. Right. And hopefully, that's the case for a lot of OSU players. But you know, Tanstar will just be K'd after this year. Or they decide, yeah. hey, you know what? I'm going to play out the season, and you know, it doesn't. I whenever anyone says go pro, I've um, I followed a lot of uh, what a past colleague and friend at Thunder has now put out here, and Derek Murray. And he's just sending all this type of stuff about, um, you know, other recruits in other countries. Okay, follow the the most recent example I have is Jeffrey Carroll or Cam McGriff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These players could play one year at Oklahoma State and go, crap, man, I really got screwed over by this NCAA ruling. And 
I want to transfer, but not really a school wants to take me. Okay, you know what? My circumstances that I was assuming would happen have changed. I'm going to go pro overseas, even, you know, or whatever it is, too, and decide to go somewhere else. Um, I know I also want to ask you about Oklahoma State football here, at least the upcoming season, right? Of uh, Sanders, Chuba, Tylen. Defense, you know, seems to be coming back pretty good, too. Well, we're going to miss our one guy that is in the NFL from this season, I think, for A.J. Green. Maybe Bradley also made the Jets roster, too. But I do want to ask, this team didn't have a lot of, this past Oklahoma State team didn't have a lot of guys go to the NFL and leave. And there's a lot of returning guys here. How do you feel about this Oklahoma State football team, at least, too? I feel really good. Obviously, not as excited as basketball. Whenever you have like a Cade Cunningham, but I am I am one of those people that I believe in Spencer Sanders. I think he's going to have a good season. I'm I'm hoping this this off season just been really good for him, like mentally and physically. You know, he's very highly touted coming out of high school, coming to Oklahoma State, and I think definitely he's going to be the key. That's not the most you know egregious opinion right there is the quarterback's going to be the key to the season. But I think as long as he plays well, you know, having, having the best running back in the nation unbiased and uh, potentially a Blinton cough winner in Thailand. Like I think mm-hmm. it's almost another one of those guys, the limits, like as long as Spencer's ready. And I think he will be, I think just last year kind of was a big stepping stone for him, even though it seemed probably like a setback. I think he probably learned a lot, and I, just as long as he goes out there confident and the offense can run through him, we have the talent. Our skills guys are some of the best in the nation, so I think it's going to be a really good year, and hopefully we see a Bedlam win and maybe a Big 12 championship at least. Ooh, fingers crossed on a Bedlam win. I mean, if it's one yeah, fingers or, crossed on that. One or two. <laughs> we'll see. Right, um, no, exactly. With the new, yeah, that's a with the double championship Bedlam. championship thing. Yeah. You have to start cutting into that overall record, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. We gotta get how about that overall win total, you know, season to season by playing one more game. Um I I agree on the football team and and possibility as well too. I think this is one of the years where, oh my gosh, this could be great. I hope it's not a twenty sixteen year. Um right. where of course everything looks great, everything's on the up and up. I have my prediction, of course, on a different podcasts, but of us being a dark horse for the cultural playoffs and then us losing to Central Michigan. But I'll never slash, forget that. Yeah. Slash not losing Central Michigan at the same point. Um, yeah. <laughs> Should have been game. Should have yes, been game. Should have been game. Anyways. But on the other hand, I, I think this team would be incredible. I think Spencer Sanders with a second year of a very similar type of offense, a guy who's already on staff at Oklahoma State and Casey Dunn now taking over as offensive coordinator. And previously being the wide receivers coach, so not a huge offensive change. And having Tylen and Chuba, I mean, we're talking the guy who, one guy should have, no matter what, been in the Heisman Trophy ceremony at least last year. He should have been one of the finalists. He should have been in New York. Yeah. It shouldn't be a conversation. That, that, I don't think, even is a conversation. I mean, you've got Chase Young there. Listen, Chase Young's dominant defensive guy, all type of stuff, too. But he misses three games for Ohio State. They don't blink an eye. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just bizarre how he, the Heisman is the most valuable player overall and type of stuff. Well, you don't always have to have a defensive player there, etc. But anyways, I think Chuba definitely deserved a spot last year in this Heisman Trophy ceremony. Of course, we know 
Wallace, before his injury last year, the year before that, when he was a sophomore, is a runner-up to the Blitnikoff Award winner. And I still think, you know, my bias is probably creeping in here a little bit more as people are listening to this, but should have won the Blitnikoff as well. And yeah. so I think all this sets up for a really, really good year for Oklahoma State football. Do I think there'll be a team or two that we struggle against? For sure. That happens to every team, every school year. Always a Kansas State or somebody. Yeah. That's just Yeah, OU lost to Kansas State last year. I mean, it, and it was, you know, no one, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought OU would run the table again, as they had, you know, before. But at the same point, I, I want to have so much confidence in Oklahoma State football. Something's just nagging at me a little bit because I haven't seen it yet. You know, I haven't seen us have an undefeated season completely. Closest we got before was in 2011, but mm-hmm. man, um, I'm excited to see this football season too. But hey, to to round out the podcast here a little bit um, with you, I want to ask about the MLB season. How excited are you that MLB baseball now is back? And do you have any dark horses or teams to watch for? They're looking forward to see too. Yeah, I'm pumped. I you know I've been home for three months now. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if I was in Arizona at spring training whenever everything kind of came down, and so. We were just in quarantine in the hotel, and they were just bringing us food. So I wasn't complaining too much. But it was really weird, just like everything was on halt. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up watching baseball every spring for spring training, and then you have summer, and it's just been like weird without sports. So I was hoping baseball would kind of be on the forefront of coming back to try to, you know, the marketability, op- you know, the opportunity cost of that is so high. New fans. They took a lot longer than everybody hoped, so that was that was really sad, kind of seeing all that happen. But it's back. The Kansas City Royals, I'm gonna say for a dark horse. Okay. They are my employer. Okay. But <laughs> they're a young team. They're fast. Uh, they they have a lot of prospects that are kind of. I don't know if you know much about the rosters, but it's gonna be 60 players. Okay. And it's gonna be like a taxi squad. They can travel with I think 30, and like they have different parameters and stuff. But basically. They had to submit a roster of 60 players that are eligible to play this year. And so it's going to be very like expansive. I know it's only it's 60 games, but if you can just be rotating in different pitchers like that and keep everybody's arms fresh and just like they can just go out there and throw the ball, you know, just as hard because it's only 60 games. You don't have to you don't have that longevity of a 162 game season. I think any team has a chance as crazy as that sounds like you don't know like teams can be hot like people always touch on the washington nationals how terrible their record was 60 games first 60 games of the season last year and then you have your you know world series champions it doesn't make sense you don't know it's so short like i saw a really good comparison like a you say a really good power season you know you see somebody hits 30 home runs you're like wow that's a power hitter you know like in a general baseball season the numbers for that this season will be 11 it's just wow. so weird. Yeah, so 11 home runs is equivalent to a 30 home run season. So it's just like, I don't know, it's going to be so weird for departments and scouting and operations of player development. Like, obviously, they don't really take stats into, you know, measuring a player's growth. They have, you know, additional stats from, you know, side sessions and stuff. But it's just going to be really weird to see, like, wow, that's our MVP right there. He hit 15 home runs, you know, and it's just like... <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen this season. What if, you know, a team goes off or, you know, somebody has like a Sammy Sosa month to talk on, you know, long gone summer. 
Yeah. You don't know. Like they just might have that April where they hit like 20 home runs and that just, you know, those first 20, 30 games, half the season, you know, they're on, on pace for just like a, a normal 162 game, like MVP season. You don't know what's going to happen. Tigers, Marlins, World Series. Nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. I, that would be that would be interesting if the Tigers did go. I mean, if you had one of the teams who just has the number one overall pick and same yeah. year just has a crazy good season as well. But I'm with you. There's just so much speculation to be had of how does this how does this work? Because this is a whole season that's changed. You know, NBA of course has their end of the season change where it's kind of all figured out but baseball's just such a different animal to deal with too with um seven games a you know seven game series for all the for all postseason stuff but also just you have the different factors of a guy can get hot for like you said like sosa for a month when he did for long gone summer but you can also have just weird stuff where all of a sudden garrett cole goes off and he's just you know yeah he has, I mean, if it's only 60 games, I mean, what he has, if he's 10-0, and 0, 10 I guess starts. that's crazy. Yeah. And you could go, oh, my gosh, that guy's the Cy Young Award winner, and he's 10-0, and 0, you know, or whatever it is, too. It's going to be weird reviewing stats in yeah. previous years. Like, 10 years from now, looking back, somebody, some random kid's going to be evaluating players, be like, MVP, MVP. He had, you know, he was 6-2 and two with, you know, like, is this a reliever? No, no that's the greatest starter in baseball that year. But yeah, no, what if a guy comes out and he's cold? You know, like mm-hmm. a guy loses his command or doesn't know, like he's, he's just not comfortable with his pitches yet. He only has like 10, 10 11 starts in a season to figure that out. Yeah, and I got to think Generally, all these you know, guys you are... that, yeah, you, ha- you have that room for mistakes in baseball because it's like, oh, that's just so long of a season. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know, you'll be fine. But it's, you got to be perfect in this, these 60 games. Yeah, I got to think that. I- Every player is going to be on a super short leash as well. There's not Definitely. going to be a lot of, like as you're saying with the pitchers, but at fielders, um, you know, if you have two errors in a game or whatever, dude, we only have 59 left. You know, we're used to having 162. All of a sudden, we, you know, the season's a third of what it was, basically, right? So, hang on a second. We can't, we can't have that. You know, if a guy's in a hitting slump for five games, hold on a second. That's, that's big. You know, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good chunk of the season now. Yeah. Not just, oh, it was a bad week. It was, oh, that was a bad, you know, pretty good percentage of the season there. But <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be something that we've never seen. Same with like the format of the NBA, like sports are coming back at the same time and the football will kick off. Hopefully everything's fine with that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about fans in the stadiums for any of this, but it's definitely good. just going to be, it's going to be nice to wake up and be like, okay, you know, there's a game on tonight. Yeah. You're going to have something to talk about. You know, we're not going to have to no more circles, hopefully. Right. We got the uh, NBA schedule released today as well, too. So I'm sure I'll have you back on to talk a little bit more about the NBA season. I know, I know uh, you're a big baseball guy, just like myself here too, but man, I get some thunder predictions from you here before too long as well. Definitely. Yeah. We have to get on and we can talk about their, <laughs> their eight game season, end of season. And playoff hopes, but it's going to be so exciting seeing it in kind of a March Madness scenario. Like, I know that's what everybody's kind of like wanted to see. I feel like at one point, everybody's Mm -hmm. been like, that'd be really fun if it was NBA. So we might get our one shot at that. So it'll be, it'll be fun talking about this and 
like I said, 10 years, you know, looking back and being like, yeah, we got to see NBA's March Madness. We saw a 60 game MLB season and we saw the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) I I know you're a Chiefs fan, but man, (laughs) seeing how much the home field advantage stuff actually does matter without, you know, if fans aren't in attendance for not only NBA, but NFL, I, I would love for the Dallas Cowboys to win the, you know, of course, win a championship, but they travel to a lot of stadiums. They're actually the home, you know, the fans there are more or less rooting for the Cowboys. And, you know, same with the Patriots. Worldwide. America. um, Yeah, America's team. But I'll be excited to see how much home field advantage actually matters for NBA, MLB, NFL, college football, all this type of stuff, especially if the fans are not actually in, you know, if there's no fans. And especially with NBA of these guys aren't even playing in big arenas anymore, much less nope. traveling, you know, much less sleep in their own home before a game. They're doing all this type of stuff different, but it'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk more about that in the future and actually just see some sports. But, exactly. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, this will be fun. Well, hey, Brendan, thanks so much for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, man. All right, now on to the second segment of the CJ Tour podcast here for June 26th, 2020. It's definitely been a weird year. Of course, one of the weirdest things so far that did make some news and notes with Oklahoma State football is Mike Gundy wearing an OAN shirt. And I had it on the episode here with Jake Carlson coming up here in a second. But after talking with Jake, I'm going to go ahead and just take out that first part. It just wasn't up to what I usually do. So that's why the podcast starts out a little bit odd and a little bit different here for the second segment of the podcast here on this episode. Again, thank you so much for listening, and here we go. Yeah, let's let's talk about some basketball. I mean, I did want to talk about football for a second year, at least, as, as far as this should be the year, right? This should be one of the years that Oklahoma State is maybe not number one, because um, OU is always there, but definitely number two in the Big 12. And is there another team that you think of, oh my gosh, they're going to be really close this year? It seems like Sam Ellinger has now played for five years at Texas, but I'm sure this is a senior. This has got to be a senior year. But, you know, Iowa State always seems like they're in it. And yeah, Baylor last so. year, you know, went to the Big 12 championship. Baylor, Baylor's probably the ones, you know, I don't really keep up with how they do things there, but they always seem to, Matt Rule seems like a good coach. Um, and I don't know how their quarterback situation looks or any of that. Um, but they're always, you know, pretty much always a threat. Um, same thing with TCU. We never really know what's, what's going on with TCU. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Iowa State, but realistically, I mean, when I look, at everything we should you know i say or i could is probably a better word we could win the big 12 um i don't know if that necessarily means you know ou loses like two big 12 games um and i think like texas is always a threat because you never know what texas you're gonna get at the beginning of the year um but i guess like it it's you it's this year seems to be the usual suspects, but if there were a year for, you know, like what was that um, when Kansas state was really good that one year and Colin Klein went to the Heisman, you know, like if there were a year for that to happen, it would probably be this year. Right. 
Gotta be. I gotta think, one, every other school besides OU and the Big 12 goes, all right, OU's gonna have a freshman quarterback. This might be our chance, right? Um, mm-hmm. OU has previously had three transfer quarterbacks who have either gone on to win the Heisman or been in Heisman Trophy ceremonies. Um, I gotta think now, you know, the Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, um, Baylor, everyone, even Texas and Tech, da- Texas. Down year, I'm not, I'm not assuming a down year from OU because you know, right? Well, that'd be dumb. <laughs> well. That would be really dumb because OU has been amazing and really good. And as I look back, as I look over the predictions and everything like that as well, it's OU's predicted to make the college football playoffs again because because even though their quarterback is a freshman, he's a five star, highly touted recruit, et cetera, et cetera. He's not. This isn't like OU having Blake Bell out there as quarterback, you know, or some weird um, when Rhett Bomar was playing, and then all of a sudden they had to find another backup quarterback, right? This Spencer Rattler kid is supposed to be amazing. So I I think every other school in the Big 12 goes, hang on a second, okay, OU didn't ha- doesn't have Kyle Murray coming in or Jalen Hurts or Baker Mayfield. But at the same point, this would be the this would hopefully be the year, right? You would hopefully be able to yeah, and- win the game against OU with the freshman quarterback and the inexperience actually mattering for OU for once instead of them just all, I mean, see Lamb's also reloading gone. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as an Oklahoma yeah, State fan, I'm I, way too knowledgeable of the term reloading for OU instead of rebuilding. Yeah. Cause I guess that's like one of the main things is like, OU just always re- reloads mm-hmm. and you know, that, we could be completely off the mark here. Like, oh, you could come out and just start annihilating people, um, which really probably wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, it'd be just par for the course with what they've been doing in the past four years. Um, but yeah, like, I guess on paper preseason without having seen anybody play with Spencer Rattler being quote unquote untested, um, not having played stuff like that, then yeah, like this year is seemingly up for grabs, but it'll, I mean, once the year starts, if OU just turns it on, it wouldn't shock me and I'm sure it wouldn't shock you either. Right. And it's not like OU has, Ohio has to go to Ohio state this year to play non-conference. I mean, they do have Tennessee. Well, they play Tennessee, right? Yeah. They do have Tennessee on the schedule and they play at army. And Army's always tough because of their different style of play versus, you know, they're hard to prepare for because they play, mm-hmm. you know, with the triple option or everything. So, always tough. But they start out their season home Missouri State, home Tennessee, at Army, which is cool. And then they have the Big 12. Especially as for Big Big 12 teams playing mm-hmm. Army when you don't have the ball, you can't score. Yeah, that's another um, key thing. Yeah. But, but, like, you know, them playing Army. OU can score very quickly. It's not like Army playing a Big Ten team, you know, like if Army's playing Michigan (laughs) or something, you know, like Michigan takes five minutes to score, whereas in the Big 12, you can score in just about 30 seconds. So that's that'll be interesting. I'm assuming that they will probably blow them out um, or it will be like a 10 point game, you know, just because it'll be like 21. Four to fourteen or something, and OU mm-hmm. will probably have it in the bag in like the second quarter. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I it's hard because it's hard to say, but I'm not counting OU out until um until I improve it otherwise. And I think that's completely fair. And I you know, I like Lincoln Riley a lot. Um, it's hard not to like Lincoln Riley as much as he beats us, but I think that's just how it goes. And I mean, OSU, they've got to stop losing those games. You know, that's the K-State or the Iowa State or whatever it is. We talked about this pretty extensively yesterday, how how different the program would look if, if we had won that Iowa State game, even if we didn't win the national championship, right? Um, but, you know, maybe maybe we're not losing to K-State. And it seems like every year we're, we're playing really tight games with teams that don't really belong on the field with us. Um, and so I think that's probably the part that I'm more concerned for than, than OU being good. It's, as an OSU fan, can OSU propel through those games like they should? Yeah, and the other thing I would say is that last year when I look at the Oklahoma State schedule and I go, oh man, you know we finished 8-5. Oh, but 5-4 and four in the Big 12. You know, um, those mm-hmm. non-conference games were nice, right? And yeah. the first game that we played non that was we played in conference was at Texas and we lost oh but only by six all right and then we go and we we beat K State twenty six thirteen which is K State's always a tough team but you know played them at home and it was a weird delay, rain delay and all that stuff too then the at Texas Tech game is really where I think it just oh hang on a second this team we might not just lose Texas and OU that you know this this might be an yeah. uphill battle wasn't that the game where. Sanders had like five turnovers in the first yeah. half or something insane like that. Yeah, he had and, a ton of turnovers. And I don't think any of us were like faulting Sanders. You know, he was a freshman. Um, like that's going to happen more times than, you know, it's more than likely that it's going to happen. But it's like at some point you got to pull him in that game. I remember saying that. I was like, dude, you just got to take him out. You know, put, put Drew Brown in or something. But what what we're doing and we still I mean we still didn't get beat down yeah. from what I remember. Yeah, I mean we still lost by ten and we you know, Sanders had over four turnovers. Of course of course as a fan you wish the games turned out a different way, but I guess on one hand I go, Man, we only you know, we only did five and four in the big twelve. On the other hand I'm going, Well, we did go, you know, they go to a bowl game, and, you know, we did win eight games. Um, can't be that down on Oklahoma State at all, too. I just... I'm, I'm anxious, but I'm also excited for this next season. I mean, the Tylen Wallace game against Iowa State was incredible. And if he's able mm-hmm. to get back to that similar type of status, where teams have to put, you know, two guys on Wallace every time, then also you got to try to load the box for Chuba Hubbard. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sanders is a little bit better than freshman year. Who knows how good the team could be, right? I mean, I'm seeing the yeah, and if, national if predictions we get as, like, to, as 14. If we get like 80-90% of what Chuba did last year, we'll be okay. Right, right. Oh, man. It's just a uh, new offensive coordinator. 
which I think Casey Dunn's going to help out as a new offensive coordinator. I, I think that helps Oklahoma State more than anything. But, yeah. He knows good. the offense. He knows the offense extremely well. He's been on the staff before. I don't think it's that big of a change. You're not bringing in, you know, what, Gleason or, you know, whoever it's been before as well. Um, you know, it's not some brand new guy. It's a guy who's been on the roster for many years as far as a coach. It is, um, it, it is tough going, oh man, we lost like our, you know, award-winning corner uh, back in AJ Green and we lost a four-year starter at guard and we lost a, um, you know, lost Johnny Wilson at center, etc. But also, we should be pretty darn good still on the offensive line and should be able to recover a quarterback pretty well too. So, yeah, yeah, I'm more, I'm way more hopeful about this season than was last season. If that makes sense too, because one before last season started, I had no idea Chubaba would lead the nation in rushing yards. Right, that was insane. Um. And at the same point, I also had no idea that how Sanders would do, and I had no idea Town Walls would be the real deal or not. And he, <laughs> guy looked like he would be, you know, the year before, when a trophy conversation, right? Maybe should have won it. But then how do you follow that up the next year, right? Okay, well, he still looks really, really good. You know, Walls does, and teams still aren't able to cover him as well. He looked, you know, looked like he was just incredible in that Tulsa game. But... Yeah. Now this is, you know, Wallace's last year at OSU, Chuba's last year at OSU, and this guy should be able to, you know, as long as Sanders can give him the ball, right, and not turn it over and, um, you know, play, I guess, um, I guess just play better. You know, expect the whole team to improve. <laughs> There's not, we're not seeing a key loss where I go, oh, crap, how are we going to replace that guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Drew Brown ended the season for us at quarterback, but yeah, it looked like Sanders was better after we saw Brown play enough games. And I can only hope that we'll be better this year and improve on an 8-5 and five record of last year. Um, I'm reading the Athlon Sports Coach Football Preview, and they're predicting Oklahoma State to finish second in the Big 12 behind OU, but with a 9-4 and four record and 6-3 and three in the Big 12. So... You know, that means winning all the non-conference games, which, let's face it here, Oregon State home, Tulsa home, Western Illinois home, should win all the non-conference games, shouldn't be a question. But then, at TCU, like we said before, TCU's tough, at OU, never easy, um, at K-State, never really easy, at Baylor, never really easy as well. It's just, there are some games there where it lays out going, man, yeah, the at OU game. Uh, that's gonna be tough, right? And, mm-hmm. and then you know, you know what? But in the season, home against Texas, and I'd much rather play Texas at home than away, for sure. And I, I'm assuming the games they're picking us to lose are at OU, at TCU, at Baylor, right? I'd assume as well. I, I think they're, you know, it doesn't have a prediction of which games are projected us to lose, but I would think they're going. We lose three, uh, you know, three away games at least, if not all the losses are away games, right? And mm-hmm. going there, I mean, TCU should still be pretty good, right? They return their quarterback, and, you know, and TCU always seems to be, year in, year out, TCU seems to be good. It's just kind of, okay, will Baylor be good this year? Will TCU be good this year? But one of the two teams is always pretty darn good when we play them, 
you know, just depends on what year. Yeah. I mean, we never know in the Big 12. That's the thing. Like, going into the year, we never know what it's going to turn out like. Yeah, you have, you have two certainties in the Big 12. OU in the Big 12 championship and KU to almost have no wins. And that's pretty much it. It's <laughs> two certainties. We don't have the Purdue of the big, you know, Purdue or Vandy or, you know, whoever it may be of the uh, SEC or the Big Ten, but still. All right, well, let's still talk some basketball here. Um, Kay Cunningham returning Oklahoma State and, you know, Yorne leaving. Hitty Rosnick also leaving as well. Just wanted to throw that in as I mentioned, but basically every single recruit for OSU saying they're coming, they're still coming, right? They're still coming to Oklahoma State yeah. even with the sanctions and the scholarship penalties and the fines, etc. Which I think is incredible. How do you? How good do you think Cade will be? Could be for for OSU? I. I mean, I think he's going to be really good, but I'm also intrigued. Like, what are we going to run? Do we have a big man? Are we playing small ball? You know, like, I'm assuming one of the Boone twins will be playing um, that big man position if we, you know, kind of like with what the Suns used to do with like Amari Stoudemire or something like that, um, where it's like you have more of a two power forward set up instead of a power forward center. Um, which we've never really had. I mean, who is the last like actual big man comment? I mean, we haven't had very many guys that are just like six eleven. You know, like most of our big men are like six nine. They're they're what would be considered a little bit shorter, anyways. Um, so I I mean I think Kate is just going to make everyone incredibly better. I think the hype is going to make him. Um, like maybe make people key on him a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, which will open up opportunities for everybody else. And we do have a young team. I'm assuming that likely will still start considering yeah. that he is staying. Yeah. Um, likely has to be starting. One of the Boone twins has to be starting the rest of it. I, do you think Avery Anderson starts as well? I mean, I, I got to think we're playing for small ball, but do you think Anderson starts too? If we go like a Ben Simmons type thing, yeah, because okay, so I've seen the comparison of Cade Cunningham to Ben Simmons before, but the key thing people are forgetting is Cade can shoot. So, and then I've seen plenty of Twitter videos of likely Ben three pointers today, but but Cade can shoot. He can really shoot the ball, and that's that's a, definitely a threat. One, but also. You know, Kate's just going to find open guys. He's going to be able to, you know, get guys open shots, whether that be Avery Anderson, Isaac, you know, likely or whoever yeah. else may be. I, I got to think that maybe, um, I forgot to say his name, but Fern Flavors, I believe it is, or Favors. Mm-hmm. I got to think he starts. You know, he transferred yeah. and he's one of the first guys to, I guess, re up his recruitment. How I tall is th- he? I think he's a small forward size or smaller. I don't think he's too tall. Um, I don't think he's six eight. If you want to look it up real quick, he's six three. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's so maybe he doesn't start. Maybe that, I take that back. I would assume it would be something like um, Cade, likely Anderson, 
and then maybe one of the Boone twins, and then probably one of the young guys, I would have to assume. I mean, the uh, guy from Canada, Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Yeah. I, yeah. He's like 6'8", right? Yeah. He's got to be a tall dude. I think that we're definitely going to be asking Cade to rebound a lot, too. It's what, Cade's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, right? So we're going to yeah, be asking... Yeah. I got to think, one, Kate's not going to be a three-point sh- shooting threat. You know, that's not how we're going to use him, at least. He's definitely way better than that one. But also, two, he's, he's going to be trying to find open guys. Guard. Yeah. yeah, that as well. <laughs> that as well. He's Yeah, he's not going to be guarding the other point cards. Um, what do you think of the fact of... Go ahead. Because Likely's our best defensive player, right? And I think we can say probably Likely and Anderson are two of our best, because I think, I think Avery Anderson is... I mean, he's very active on the defensive end, which is a plus. So, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they bring him off the bench. You know, if they bring him and like Chris Harris off the bench, like I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I would too. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would think that one of the, you know, the Boone twins basically, I mean, maybe we, as much of it doesn't matter about starting as so it does minutes, but at the same point, it, in college basketball, it still matters who starts. Um, maybe there's a, a guy who transfers in or so that starts, but it's a Solomon type of guy who's pretty darn tall, but at the same point, just Cade can get him over that hump where all of a sudden he's better because he's got this amazing five-star point guard who plays this kind of hybrid small forward role in Cade. and. Yeah. You know, and OSU's amazing. I I wonder... I st- still wonder about your... I wonder what the what the thought process is, slash what the incentives were to, you know, say you're being in the transfer portal when he did, right? It, Why not just wait until K? It in-house. I yeah, mean, it has to be something in-house. It has to be just too good of an offer you couldn't pass up somewhere else. That does well, it two we, ways. You also have both centers leaving. Well, our two, like, probably pure centers, right? Like, our two tallest guys, I would assume, on the roster. And so I think that that puts a little wrinkle in it. Because, like, as OSU fans, we're kind of sitting here like, well, are we just going to play really fast then? Like, are we just going to run up and down the court? And if that's the case, I'm perfectly okay with that. Because our half-court offense last year looked terrible at times. So, like, it would make sense, you know, like like the Sixers do. When they, it's like when they got in the half court against the Celtics last year in the playoffs, like, they couldn't do anything. And I'm not saying that Cade would do that because he can shoot more. But, you know, if we're just running, it would make sense if, you know, when the the Sixers are doing that, they they tend to take a beat off or maybe, like, one of the Boone twins is playing um, center so that way they can run and shoot and stuff like that. So that would be, yeah, and then your, but I don't know if he's announced anywhere. I would assume that he would have already announced somewhere if there was already an offer on the table because it's been a couple weeks, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's been a week. I think now we're, we're in this bubble. Maybe it's been two, but I think it's been a week um, that your and Hitty Rusnick, um, of course, Hitty guy is going to University of Missouri, Kansas City. So, you know, uh, okay, I guess. Um, 
Well, I mean, it's not a huge loss. He's not going to a rival we, school or another. We, you know, we, we wish luck or, to him. Yeah, wish wish luck to him as a former cowboy. Yeah, so be it. Um, the the your thing, I guess, is interesting because I think your draft stock would only improve as I think everyone else's draft stock will improve by playing with this cake. You know, cake Cunningham, who five star. You know, two four seven sports brings him is like point nine nine nine. You know, their highest rating. Period. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, man. So I just, um, because Yor has not announced yet where he's transferring to. Granted, I maybe there's just not that much of a reason to announce where you're transferring to, or you know, to wait for some more things to be ironed out, whatever it may be, right? But mm-hmm. I would think, just no matter what, the the hitty guy makes sense because he probably hasn't seen that many minutes in the future, right? Probably goes, yeah, you know what? Let's let's yeah, I'm gonna go and make my decision and transfer and. Maybe he goes to play at UMKC for a year, gets a ton of playing time, transfers to Canada or whatever maybe, right? The Yor, the Yor transfer is odd to me because he's at a Big 12 school with a number one recruit in the country coming in, and you would think he'd only have his draft stock slash playing time slash feel for the ball and everything like that increase, right? In his mm-hmm. third year at Oklahoma State. So that to me is, a, is just a weird transfer because he was starting before. I don't. Unless there's something we don't know, I don't think he was going to be coming off the bench this year, um, and definitely would have been a, a guy who would see a lot of minutes for Oklahoma State as well too. So yeah. that that seemed weird to me for sure. But on the other hand, I, I guess we'll figure out sometime soon what's going on. I mean, he's from you know I'd, I'd like to go. Ah, oh, you know what? He's like homesick. He wants to go to school closer to home. But he's from Kansas. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not originally from Kansas, I should also say. But he went to high school and everything like that. And I believe the recent passage I've looked up, he's from Kansas, more or less, too. So, mm-hmm. why not? That, I guess, is going to be a big mystery. I mean, I'm curious to see where he goes. I got to think that another Power 5 school or, or somewhere else is going, hey, man, you'll come here, you'll start, and, you know, yada, yada, and you'll all be good, right? And, you know, yeah. Also, he's. Also, there's the other factor of him just going, I don't care about playing in the Big 12 tournament. I don't care about playing in the Big 12. I'd much rather play in postseason March Madness and have way more eyeballs on me than not and yeah. see this. Because, let's face it, as good as Cade may or may not be, should be incredible. But also, I mean, as it stands right now, Oakland State is not making the postseason. So... And, and we don't know what the deal with that is either. Right. We don't know if yeah. that's going to be flipped or not or we're all the stuff. But we can tell you one thing for sure. As it seems right now today, you know, the ruling you know, has not been overturned yet or, you know, has not been finally ruled for sure that Oakland State's going to miss the postseason next year. But it definitely seems like that right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're your and you just go, hey, you know what, a second, hang on a second, I'm. I got to, yeah, I got to transfer. Um, what's the NIT? Wasn't it the NIT, um, like player, you know, or whatever, or won the MVP for the NIT tournament that we played in like the preseason last year's Oklahoma State or, yeah, or like defensive player. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe he was player of the tournament. The one in New York, right? Yeah. 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 I think he was. Yeah. So, 
don't know. It just seems just seems odd. If you're your, it just seems odd. Um, yeah. Well, let's go and round it out here. I did want to ask you a little bit about MLB. Of course, they're announced that they're coming back for this season. Um, you know, should be playing baseball by the end of July. Which teams are you most excited to see play? You know, this year, granted, it'll be a short season and everything due to the pandemic, but which team are you most excited to see play this season? If either maybe in person, but more or less for at least for sure over t- over the TV. So obviously, I'm excited for my Braves. Um, I think coming into the year, they were probably pretty highly touted when it came to making noise in the postseason, maybe even going to the World Series. Um, I didn't even see like the the Vegas odds or anything, but I'm sure it was probably top seven i would assume um so that's i mean they're the main ones um i don't get all like giddy about home runs and stuff like that so the yankees to me or whatever i know they're gonna be good um well at least they should be on paper but that's you know but baseball is always weird because like the nationals won it last year i can't imagine the nationals repeating right so you never know who's just going to end up being really good in baseball, especially if we're only playing 60 games. Like some of these teams, like there are some teams that I think was it the Mariners last year and they started off like on a crazy run and then they didn't make the playoffs. So yeah, like yeah, we, could, we could be getting, we could be getting that. But we would never know if they would end up having a drop-off because the season is, you know, a third as long as it usually is. Uh, um, so I, I think it'll be interesting. I think there will be – there's going to definitely be, like, a big asterisk next to this year, especially if, um, like, some big players get hurt. But I'm still skeptical on if we are coming back, you know, like, because – I just don't trust the MLB when it comes to this stuff. I just never know because it seems like not only their marketing team, but their upper level management is just not that great. So I'm, I mean, I'm excited for the Braves, but I'm excited to watch baseball again, but it's gonna, it's gonna be rough for the MLB because I saw one of my friends tweet it. It's pretty much a cherry on top for the MLB. And they're like, we're going to bring baseball back around the time that, uh, football starts up and we're going to have the NBA playoffs. So, and I'm pretty sure um, Champions League soccer is going to be coming back then too, which probably won't take out of viewership from the MLB, but you know, like they're deciding to do all of this like in the midst of everybody else coming back. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how their, their stuff goes, um, especially with their viewership. Definitely will be for sure. I think that a lot of people will be tuning in to start and then see how it goes from there. Probably, probably still locked in though. I, I know I'll try to watch as many Padres games and see how they do this year. I, I can't think that the shortened season would help out younger teams, but at the same point, who knows? Right? Um, yeah. I would think that the reverse would be true is that younger teams would have you know, more energy and players don't get, um, I guess, hurt as easily, you know, when you could be older and stuff like that. Um, you know, 
I assume that hurts teams that are older, you know, playing more games than less, but who knows. I'm I'm excited to see I think the Mariners will be a lot of fun this year. I also think the Braves as well. Um be a lot of fun. Excited to see the twins. Twins. Twins should be good as well. Um Yeah, excited yeah, but excited to watch baseball, period, as well too. Yeah. Right. So just excited to see some more baseball, see everything that's going on and uh you know, hope for hope for the best, not only health wise of everyone playing and involved in no matter what sport it may be, but more or less just happy to see sports come back to, you know. But at the same point, hoping and praying that everyone stays, you know, safe and healthy and all that good stuff is as yeah everything goes forward. Would like a be awesome to be able to watch college football this year and watch college basketball this year no matter what and I guess my my you know, my key point is just you know just keep watching. Hopefully, sports just come back without too many hiccups, yeah. right? So should be good. I don't necessarily have a World Series prediction or anything like that, of course, but of course we can talk about that when it gets closer to it, too. So um, I do think the Universal DH still will be interesting, especially for the National League teams too, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be a lot of fun slash. Interesting, um, you know, and how that goes forward too. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So cool. Well, AJ, thanks for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour. Uh, thanks so much for everyone listening. And I guess first thirty minutes, maybe not the most interesting um, topic of conversation we've had in the entire world before. But then the last thirty-five ish or so minutes here at the end of the podcast, definitely more back to the regular scripted programming. Of uh, the normal topics of OSU football and basketball predictions, as well as a little bit of MLB kind of conversations. And here they're also coming back here, too. So, thanks again for joining, Jake. Go Liverpool. <laughs> Go Liverpool. All right. Thank you.